Welcome to a Goal in One podcast episode three with Nader Manua. I'm Chris. I'm Jamie. And I'm Andy. Nader, welcome. How's things, mate? Yeah, good, mate. You know, everything's great. Never been bad, you know. Doing very little. But yeah, no, it is what it is, you know what I mean? We're all surviving, so that's a good thing. Yeah, slight slight change up, obviously, in the re- recent situation. How's things out in the States? Do you know what? It really depends where you are. So where I am in Utah, like, it's a lot more chilled out. Most people haven't got, like, a stay-at-home order in place. Sorry, there's no stay-at-home order in place here, but for maybe 40-odd other states, that's what they have. So right. we can kind of, like, unlike people back home in England, you can leave the house more than once a day and stuff like that. Let's just say that. So it's not the worst place to be in the world. Yeah, mate, we're full isolation here. You need a permit to walk out your front door. Listen, I would not be walking out that front door in Dubai, I'll tell you that for a fact. If they tell me not to, I'm not messing with <laughs> yeah, that. Exactly. It. Fear factor over it, mate. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I get it. I, I, I can believe it, mate. To be, to be honest, I, think, I think it kind of works in, uh, in a way, particularly with this situation. I think we, we probably all need to respect and stick to that guidance, which maybe isn't the case in the UK and stuff like that. So, you know, as much as it's frustrating, I think it works for the time being. Do you know with that as well? So some people like, sorry to jump in, but some people fight it and say, why are we doing this? Why are we doing that? But I reckon if tomorrow everyone said you can go back to work and do as you please, people would still be different anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? So even though they try and deny it, it's in their mind because I won't, I'm going to be social distancing for probably the rest of my life. How's the golf? You're still, you're not playing anymore, are you? You're not playing as much? Yeah. Listen, so I've got three kids. So, do I need to say any more? That's enough. <laughs> Jesus, yeah. no chance. Kind, of, kind of speaks for itself. But, you know, at some point in the future, I'll be playing more. But for now, it's just, you know, that's the biggest thing. So, when did you stop then? Did you stop when you first moved out there? Or did you play a little bit when you first moved? Well, so when I first moved, I was by myself. So, I had all the time in the world, and that's all I did. Every day, hours, finish the session, go on for a bit, hours, have another go. That's how it was. And then the family came over and then I had to like show my responsibilities and actually be a father, husband, just a good guy. And since then, <laughs> nah. You must have got decent. You must have got decent. Well, depends how you want to define decent. If I was like top 100 in the world, no, probably not there. <laughs> but, you know, I was definitely the best in my household. <laughs> What's the scene like up there, mate? Yeah, it's good. It's good. It's, um, it's a nice place for ego as well because it's, uh, it's altitude. So you, you're adding at least 10% on every shot that you hit. So you can even shank nice. one further than you used Enjoyable. to. You know what I mean? This is, this is the home of Big Tony Fee now. So it's, it's not too bad. Yeah. yeah. Oh, is that where he's from, yeah? Mm-hmm. This you is know. where he's from, my friend. Yes, he's where he's from. Why, yeah. That's why he hits it so far. <laughs> wow, you say that. Nothing, to, that nothing to do with the ability. No, nothing at all. Did you see that video <laughs> he did last year when he was trying to get, was it 200 mile an hour ball speed? Yeah, yeah, like yeah. That? Yeah. yeah, that's what he's doing. That isn't too far from where I live now. Yeah, taking it back to the to the start. So, born in Nigeria, raised in Manchester. How was that experience? Just being raised, obviously. Born- Do you know what it was? Um, it was very different. So, when I first moved over to England for the first five six years, although I was living in Manchester, it was, it was like a fully Nigerian household from the way that like we'd be yeah. eating the stuff we'd be doing during the day, all that stuff, and. Yeah. I, like, I, I loved it because that's, that was my character. And as a consequence, I can always fall back into that. My youngest sister, she was born in 95. So I came over in 91. She was born in 95. So when she was being raised, she was raised just as a Mancunian. Mm-hmm. So she's like 
different. But for me, I think I like the way I've got both sides because Manchester feels like home and so does Nigeria because that's ultimately where my parents are from. That's where I was born. That's yeah. where all my history is. So it's, it's, it's good to have, you know, those two identities. Yeah. Mr. Carter says that you are a straight A student. So how was that upbringing trying to balance like school and football? How was that? You know, for me, it wasn't really like a, a balance specific type thing because it ultimately came down to if I'm not doing well in school, I'm not allowed to play. Didn't okay. make any difference whether I was like, because I was always one of the best players for my academy team. I was one of the best yeah. players for school. I used to do athletics and all that. I was one of the best for that. But if I wasn't doing my homework and I was getting detentions, you wouldn't see me doing anything on the weekend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was the centerpiece as opposed to the success that I could have had doing whatever. And in some ways, I think it was good because it meant that every time I was playing with the academy or, or all that, it felt like it was, it was fun as opposed to some people who get bogged down in that pressure of trying to, you know, I need to make it, I need to make it, I need to make it. Whereas for me, it's like a reward for doing other, yeah. other things, if you know well, what I mean. Yeah. Did it not come down to, it was athletics or football at some point, wasn't it? Must have been close mm -hmm. between the athletics as well. You know, I, I spoke about this recently and I was actually ranked at the time higher in terms of athletics than I was in football when it came time to come in full time. So I, at 15, slash 16, I was going to go in full-time with City and I, was, and I was one of the best players, as I say. But in that same time, I was the second fastest in 100 in the UK for my age. So I was like... 11.09. Yeah. yeah. Oh, could have, if it was a bit quicker, I would have been first. But yeah. So, that, um, <laughs> so in, that, in that moment, I would say I was ranked higher in athletics, but then as soon as you start to do football full-time, like, it doesn't exist anymore. Because I used to, I used to run in the summer and play football in the winter. Then all of a sudden, football takes up the winter and the summer, and yeah. day and night. And it's like, well, that dream's gone. Good, good recovery pace that for a centre half as well. Isn't it? <laughs> Listen, I, I'll be honest. I don't. I don't get that far forward to have to run that fast back. Listen, I'm on the halfway line, just wrestling people. That's my whole job. <laughs> Eight years at City, though, wasn't it? Um, is that what it was? Uh, yeah, it was actually. It was eight years. So that was eight oh, years in the wow. first team. But I actually, but I actually joined. Listen, I actually joined. I actually wrong, joined wrong side of Manchester 10. for me. Listen, I was there when I was ten. I joined Jeez. at ten, so I was there for I was there for a, for a good period of time. And when I first joined, the club itself was. Um, is as United fans like to remember it, not like how they like yeah. to see. Yeah, they were the good old days. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Bob. okay. But yeah, the, the club, the club was a mess, really. And like, I started supporting them then, but I didn't know until. So I, when I played for Sunday League, I was scouted by City. But on that same day, I was also scouted by United. And the United scout went to my dad and said, "Oh, you know, we'd like to bring him in and whatever." And my dad actually said, "No, he's a City fan, so he doesn't want to do it." Bearing in mind, he never asked me this. Yeah. He just told me afterwards, so that's what was said. I was like, oh, oh, thanks, Dad. <laughs> Bearing in mind, City was City and United were United. Yeah, but yeah. Sure, sure, whatever, Dad. That is what it is. <laughs> yeah, that must have been around the time that United won the treble as well, around that sort of time, would it have been? <sighs> I don't remember that year, to yeah. be honest, mate. Yeah. So obviously, City did went. It, did it happen? I'll tell you for it. I'll tell you for it. No, no, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. What were you saying, Chris? Sorry, I can't, I can't hear you Throughout the time you were there, mate, you were in quite a privileged position to to first hand see the transition, really, um, from mm. being, you know, uh, 
a, a pretty big club, but you know, minor ambitions, I would say, to to now where they are. So talk us through that. Obviously, you've been through the initial phase, then the Shinawatra phase, then the Abu Dhabi phase. So yeah, how how was it being in there at those times? You know, for me, it was a bit different just because I was a fan as well. And yeah. I had that interest, not just in the building, but from outside, you know, looking at everything from that perspective, not just as a player, but just in terms of everything, as I say. And when the club was bought out by Shinawatra, I remember thinking, like, oh, this is, this is serious. But then it was all talk, wasn't really that much true action. Yeah. But then when the new owners came in and they said, we want to do this, based on previous experiences, you're thinking, well, this is all just talk. But then very quickly, they started to make changes here, there, everywhere. New types of players were coming in. Different types of coaches, managers. The whole club was changing. They like, I'll never forget, there was one point. We used to train at Carrington. And in the space of an international break, which is just 10 days, they rebuilt the whole gym in 10 days. And I was thinking to myself, this is like, yeah. this, is, this is very serious. And then the caliber of players started to change. The expectations started to change. And it wasn't the case that people felt pressure if they weren't winning but it was more pressure on people who were there who didn't share the same vision. And one by one, little by little, things started to change. And, you know, I was probably one of those people who, uh, when it came in, I suffered because of it. But in some ways, I think it's because I, obviously, I played previously, but Mancini just didn't want to play me for whatever reason. That's fine up to him. But it, as, as I look back now, there's a whole crop of players who left the club who weren't there at the times when City were a big club with no success. So now everyone in that building, when they go to Old Trafford, they don't go to Old Trafford to try and get a result. They only go there to win. Yeah. And that's the mentality. Whereas other people in the past, you'd be going to Old Trafford. I can't remember when we beat, we beat United in that, um, the Munich Disaster Memorial game. It was like, oh, we're winning at halftime. This is incredible. This is, this is great. No one expected this. We're going to do it. We're going to do it. We're going to do it. But then now, like, if they walk off the field and they're not like two, three, up at halftime, they're probably disappointed. Yeah. You know I mean? it's, a it's a different mentality. Yeah, but yeah. all those people are there and they've, they've invested, brought them in. The club's a, it's a great club. It seems like it's a great club to be at now in terms of being a player, to be a staff member, to just support the fun experiences there. So, you know, credit to them. They, they said what they were going to do and, and really did it. Yeah, I, I've first been to the training complex, mate, and it's, uh, it's beyond your wildest dreams as somebody in our position. It's, it's fantastic, mm -hmm. mate. It's fantastic. So, who, yeah, who about sure. the players that came in then? Who, who was the standouts, mate? I mean, I've written down here Rubinho, Tevez, name coming in. Give us three. Uh, are you talking about before the real big money came in, or just around the time when, like, all around the time when, when, kind of investing. when it was all going off, mate? Yeah, because obviously Rubinho came in in, in the first yeah. investment, didn't he? Yeah, so Rubinho he, came in. Go he on. was the first biggie, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. Yeah, he, that was that was a shocker. I was sitting down watching Sky Sports News. Yeah, I remember that. Man, see you signed. Yeah, let's see if you read some reports. It was a bit. If you read some reports, it was a bit of a shock to him as well, wasn't it? Listen, <laughs> 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 we don't need to talk about that. But yeah, um, so yeah, so so he signed, and I was looking at the TV. He's like, Rubinho's just signed for City. What? We've just been taken over by, huh? And we had training in the morning. All of a sudden, you step in, you see the same faces, but now here's Rubinho. Like, ah, okay. So this is this is different. He was he was special. When he was on it, he was as good as anyone that's ever worn that shirt. Sometimes he wouldn't necessarily be as motivated as other people, but he was really, really good. 
Uh, there was a spell where if you had him and Alano at the time, if they were in the same team for a five-a-side, eight-a-side, left-a-side, makes sense. I remember Alano. Millsy used to always talk about Alano. He used to always come back from training, just go, that guy's a joke. Mate, it was unbelievable. I remember him, like, he'd get the ball in midfield, he'd play like a 50-yard topo diagonal and stuff like this. I'm like, I've never <laughs> seen this. I do that. My like, toes are broken. How do you do that? He's perfect yeah. as well. They just, those Brazilians, they just, they just love the game. They just love Anyone the game. Else? That's what it comes down to, really. Um, yeah, it's just, you know, you could name all of them because then David Silva was coming in. Uh, oh, no, did he come before? Mm, David Silva's, yeah, by the time I was leaving anyway. Yeah, David Silva. He had Tevez, who I thought was incredible. And I, I thought he was better than Aguero. Yeah. But now I can't really say that because Aguero is Aguero. Yeah. Um, even people who are underrated, like Zekos and stuff like that, you know, even Yaya Torres, the players they've had in that building mm-hmm. been ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous when you see it. Like, you had to pick, um, if you had to pick a City best 11, there'd be some players who'd be missing out. And they're no just reason. elite, you know what I mean? Yeah. Just, yeah, just can't fit you in, yeah. which is crazy because bearing in mind, there was one year when, before the money came in, this thing where Millsy was there. I think we didn't score a goal at home for four months at the end of the season. So, uh, yeah, things have changed a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, being, being a boyhood fan and everything, how was the process of leaving Man City? It was heartbreaking, to be honest. Yeah. But it was, it was one of those things. I was, I was glad it happened when I was a little bit older. I must have been like 25 or something. Because, like, I, you don't take things for granted. But when you play for your boyhood team, it's... Um, it's not something you really fully appreciate so you're not there anymore, whether you end up, say, retiring or you just end up leaving. Like, I was, I was at home. All my family, all my friends were there. I was playing for the team I supported. Every other week, all my friends and family were coming to games that I was doing. Like, it couldn't have been any more comfortable. But then when it's, someone says you have to leave or you realise yourself you have to leave because ultimately career doesn't last forever. Um, it's just there. It's like, it's tough because now you're breaking everything. You're not just leaving the club you're leaving everything behind and in fairness that's essentially what the game is that's what it is to work essentially as a professional footballer but when you've had it so nice for so long yeah it was it was very tough and then when I went to QPR like anyone from the north dreads going to London it was so different London <laughs> is literally so different and I at the time, I, I had my reservations about going to live there because everything's this, everything's that. And usually when we travel down, you travel down for a team game and then you get off the train and you sit in traffic for two hours to get five minutes away. You know what I mean? So that was my whole mentality about London. But as time passed, the club, we were up and down. We were struggling and sometimes doing well other times. But I spent time in the city and learning about that space. And by the time I was leaving, I realized it was without doubt one of the best cities in the whole world. Is incredible for the stuff that's available to those guys down there. I don't think you realize how nice they have it. Yeah. But as I say, when I first came down, I was just staying in my house. Like, why is this here? I'm not going to bother with this. I'm not going to bother with that. But it's, it's top. I was going to say, a few good years at QPR, though. Successful years. Um, it depends how you want to define success. We, uh, <laughs> I, I could, listen. So for me, looking back now, I, there were times when I really enjoyed it. Times when I didn't as much. But yeah. ultimately, went out on a high. I was captain of the club for the last three years. I won player of the year in that last year. I was voted for by my own peers. And I felt like I made a big difference because the club was making a transition towards 
a younger sort of uh, squad and things like this. And things could have gone wrong. Things could have spiraled out of control. But I felt like I was a big part of making sure that it didn't go that way. So the fact that I had the opportunity to play, I think it was nearly 230 games there, playing in front of good crowds, playing in some really big games, respected by not just my teammates, the, the coaches, all the staff, like everybody there. Like when you walk into the building, people are happy to see you because they know you're a positive part of the situation. So to have had all that for all those years, you know, I, I left happy. I left, I left, as I say, when um, I was holding my children, walking around the field and all the, and all the fans were shouting my name and stuff like this. So for me, like, that's, that's the stuff of dreams, really. You, yeah, mentioned, um, you mentioned you played in some big games with QPR. Um, I don't think it needs any introduction. Talk to me about the Man City QPR game where Guerrero's done his thing. Mate, emotions going through I, head there. Ah, <laughs> uh, so, so I'd left for QPR the last, maybe the last couple of days of January 2012, yeah. and so I'd been at City for playing at City in the academy first thing, fifteen odd years or whatever, um, and. We at QPR, we won against Stoke in the last minute the week before. That was yeah. the game which kept us up. Um, and now we're going away to City with City having the chance to win the league. But if they win the league, they could also send me down. And I'm in a, lock, I'm in a dressing room full of players who I don't really know because I've been there three months. In that three months, I was seeing people fighting with each other. Yeah. It was like real, it was, it was horrible. It was a horrible dressing room at that time yeah. because the pressure was so high and the club was trying to change its identity. So you had a real mix of like the old and the new, the home and the abroad. Like it was, it was horrible. And all the while I couldn't affect it because I didn't know anyone. Yeah. Brand spanking new to it. So we're in the, um, we're on that run. Now we're at the Etihad and I'm thinking, that's that week before, I think about the game every single day. And I was thinking, oh, what happens if this, what happens if that? Oh, if, if we win, does that mean we don't win it? If they win, am I, am I going to get relegated on my home field in front of my old teammates? Like, I was getting so stressed about it. And then the game came. And I remember at halftime, Pablo Zabaleta just scored to make it 1-0 to them. And the City fans were singing for their ex-player, Martin Petrov, who was playing for Bolton, who were also part of the relegation dogfight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that meant that Bolton were winning. So in that moment at halftime, we were down. And we went into the dressing room at halftime. And City at the time were rolling over everyone. We barely had any possession, barely had a shot. And now we're in a half time thinking, we have to win this game. Yeah. And let's, let's be realistic. In your mind, you know you can do it. But who's the person who's going to vocalize? Right, we're one no down away at City. We're going to try and win the league. Let's just, let's just go out. We're going, to, we're going to do it, lads. We're going to win this. We're going to win this game. I don't think we touched the ball for like half hour. Let's go do it, whatever. Then we went out for the second half. And next thing, we're leading 2-1, but we're down to 10 men. And the City fans, like the story of that game, for anyone who can be more objective about it, is we did, so we, we came, we just defended. But when we were 2-1 up, the City fans and the City players and the management, in particular Mancini, they were losing the plot. Yeah, went the whole the nervous, yeah. Mate, the nervousness on that field was ridiculous. They had so many shots, but... Like even speaking to Vincent Company and Joel Escott, they're taking turns coming forward and just having shots. Two players up until that point probably never scored a goal from outside the box in their careers. But yeah. that's, that's the desperation level that they were at. They were throwing everything, but it wasn't conducive because that's not the way that they played. They played a certain style and now that they needed to get a goal, like they didn't really know how to go around doing it. So it was tense, it was tense, it was tense. 
then they scored to make it 2-2. They're energised and like our team's getting a bit worried. And then they scored to make it 3-2. And half our team knew that we were already safe. The other half, myself included, thought we'd just been relegated. So when you see the video and the camera start shaking, there's probably five of us laying on the floor while City going nuts. But then as soon as we find out, listen, that game there was like the best, that, that moment was the best moment in my career because now we're safe. City have won the league. I'm in Manchester, it's the last game of the season. The sun is shining, not a, not a raindrop anywhere. <laughs> United have just lost out on the title. They've just lost out on the title away to my old team, Sunderland. Everything was just falling into place. It was the, it was the top. Every single person in the stadium was celebrating. And not just one of those ones where like Huddersfield did it a few years ago in the championship where they both stayed up. It's like one team is celebrating, really achieving this. The other team is facing relief from that. City fans, QPR fans, all bouncing. The two benches bouncing. Like Mark Hughes was the last City manager before Mancini. Yeah. Mancini could have come and sent him down. But yeah. now he's kept, he's kept QPR, QPR up. Hey, it was incredible. And to, sum, to summarise the two feelings, though, after the game, they won the league, they did whatever. I went, we went to our dressing room, beer, and they said, someone said, I'll go and say congratulations to your team. So I went in there, champagne everywhere, mate, right in the eyeballs. It was, uh, it was a special moment. Yes, good nice, stuff. mate. Nice. Carsey, you're right, mate. Yeah. Yeah, I was going <laughs> to turned off then. So, so, so again, I wasn't really listening to it. <laughs> yeah, not much happened. I, right? Not much happened. I remember it. It's absolutely, obviously, we, we were already celebrating. Like, United players on the pitch at Sunderland celebrating. Mm-hmm. It was, yep, it was game over. It, it, it was game over. Mm-hmm. Allegedly. Uh, you well, know what? I've got, I hold my hands up, though. I hold my hands up. The, so the two things which I got away with, which so there have been probably five or six moments in my career where I got very fortunate based on certain outcomes. And I was cooked for that last 10 minutes of the game. So the Zeko header, Zeko's my man, he scored a goal. And then for the um, Aguero one, I had a throw-in down on the right wing. And I said to Jay Boffroyd, go down the channel. I'm going to throw it to you down the channel. I threw it down the channel and he didn't go for it. So the move started from there, and 10 seconds later, they went and scored. So yeah, I'm like, for me, that. Mate, I was like, I've just relegated our team. And then all of a sudden, I looked at the ground. I was like, ah, oh, not too bad. No one's going to talk about that then. Just keep that to myself. Hey, they like giving you a medal, mate. <laughs> oh, listen, don't be like that, you. <laughs> yeah, just, just keep it. And in fairness as well, like Paddy Kenny, our keeper, he was a good keeper. But if you look at, I think, the three goals that they scored, I think you could do better in all three, you know. So do I. So just, I don't know, it's just, it's just one of those days. Just, it was just, it's just a great day, Carter. You know what I mean? It's just one of those incredible days in a life and a career. I'm sure anyway, so moving on to footage, <laughs> mate. <laughs> yeah, you, you just check back at it, yeah. Ah, uh, scandalous. It's, 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 it's been and gone, mate. Don't worry. Yeah, it's past now. Yeah, you're, you're we're, 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 we're miles off it now. <laughs> yeah, no, all these other rooms will be all right. Oh, God, here we go. <laughs> um, going on to current situation, how's things in the MLS? How's that, how's that transition been from um, England to the US? Uh, what's the best way to describe this? How much time have you got? <laughs> all the time um, in the world, mate. We ain't going anywhere. So, it's very, very different. So when I was leaving QPR, I wanted to go and try and play abroad. So the options in Europe were kind of limited. So I was trying to see where else I could get to. And then it came to America and I came. This is how weird it is. So they've got, their transfer windows are so fluid that I actually signed for the team. 
And I came over on September 14th and their season finished in October. That's how late it came over, September 14th, when the window was still open then. Um, and you come over and you realize, you, talk, you ask people, I was speaking to Bradley Wright Phillips, what's it like and so on. And people always start with it's different. And it is very different, not because of the way football is played, essentially, but the fact that the way it's ruled is the same as it is with the other American sports. Mm. All the players must wear their ass boots unless they're sponsored by someone. But to be sponsored, like the safest Nike or whatever, Nike have to pay the league and then they pay the player to allow them yeah. to, to wear the boot. So yeah, it's very uh-huh. like controlled yeah. like that. You can't wear this. You can't have that. You can't do this. You can't do that. Yeah. It's, um, so it's very, very different. You go on these away trips and it's not like you turn up the night before, play the game and come back. Like if we play on the East Coast, like we're in the West Coast team, we play on the East Coast, you go on over for like two nights, three nights. You know, it's, yeah. these are, and they give you, the thing that blows my mind the most, when we travel up until now, it's just, you first you travel just like on a normal plane. It's just everyone else, which is cool. But you don't wear a tracksuit. When you get there, you don't, all the, you don't all have team meals together. There's certain meals where you just, says, just go and just go in the city and just eat what you want. Yeah. Like it's a, yeah. it's a proper business thing. And initially I'm like, uh, okay, this is weird. Um, but sure. But now it's led me to a point where I go on adventures, whichever city I go to, let's go and see it. Yeah. And yeah. that's not something you can really get. Like I've been to so many places when I was playing football in England, but you don't really know the places because ultimately you get there on a Friday night play the game on Saturday afternoon and go home Saturday evening. Like, that's it. But now I'll get there, go somewhere on the East Coast, arrive on Thursday afternoon, and then you don't come back until sometimes Sunday evening. So you literally go out and experience places. And it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's different. The football's different. You've got some really good players. You've got some players who aren't necessarily the best or whatever, but they just form part of a whole league. One to 11 can be very good. But then from 12 down to like 25, some of them are good, but others like, if you say, for example, most people don't know who the backup striker was to Ibrahimovic if he didn't play. But yeah, chances yeah. are because of budgets and stuff, the guy would be someone who came out of college and he's 22. So okay. someone, one of our players won rookie of the year and he was 23 years old because he came out of college at 22. But mm-hmm. back home, that's like, if you're 22 and you've not played, like, yes. you're not going to yeah. play. Yeah. It's, it's done, yeah. So it's just, it's, it's different based on the American models. Like doing a draft for a football player is weird. I, I, don't, I don't get it, but that's just how they give it. Nice. Yeah, I never, get, I never understand the drafts. Have you got a like called Jack Blake there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a good friend yeah. of mine, yeah. Yeah, so I worked with Blakey when he was maybe, must have been about 19, and he came on loan mm. from Forest to Mansfield. So, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I chatted to him not too long ago, actually. I didn't know whether he was still there or not. Yeah, he is, yeah, he's a good lad. He's, I think he's going to be, um, he's currently in a system whereby he's a good enough player, but one thing about over here is you've got a set amount of international spaces. Yeah. So each team, I think, has a maximum of eight. And unless, you could, if you're an international player, they tend to want to give you more money. But if you carry an American citizenship or whatever, whether it's a green card or all that stuff, it means that you're seen in a different light. So for as good as he is, he'll have more options the moment he gets a green card and he's on the verge this year of getting a green card. Yeah. So he wants to play in the MLS because that's kind of limited his position at the moment because some people are like, ah, we can't really give an international slot to someone who we're going to pay X amount of money. But yeah. when, as I say, you're an American citizenship or whatever they just be like bang no problem and he's you know he's just won that he won the um 
you won the USL uh, Cup last year, which is kind of you know you know the USL. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so he he was a captain of the side that won that last year. So he is in high demand. But the yeah. biggest thing in America is just you know the way they perceive it. Well, you know, green card and this, and it has to be that. And we've got to, and even sorry to keep yapping on, just things oh, come to mind. Transfers and stuff like this. If you want to bring a player in from, say, Columbus, your trade is 50 grand for a salary. Here's a pack of Haribos, and we'll chuck in an international spot, and then we'll throw this in. It's yeah. like mind blowing. I'm like, I'm used to here comes a player, it's going to cost X amount of money. But now it's like, no, they just trade things. Like it's actually a trade trade, which yeah. blows my mind to this day. Yeah. So interesting though, mate. You've you've done the Premier League route and all that side of things. So, like you said, you're there for an experience. So, all the yeah, hundred percent stories, aren't they? That you that you you take home. Yeah, that's exactly what I wanted to do when I came over because I could have stayed in England or in Europe for sorry, in I say Europe, you could have stayed in Britain. I'll be cryptic. Could have stayed in Britain for more money. Yeah, but yeah. I wanted. I wanted the experience because when it's all said and done, I want to be able to talk about something that's different to other people. Because yeah. it's all it's good. I, like I love playing in England, love playing in Premiership. Obviously, I would have gone back there in a heartbeat. But I love playing. I enjoy playing in Championship as well. But forty-six games a season, I'm just like headbutting people. After yeah. a while, it's not something yeah. you want to talk about when you're when it's all said and done. So I felt let me try yeah. something a bit different. Yeah, nice good stuff. Nice, mate. What's the, uh, what's the what's What's the impact like Bex had and stuff when he was over there? So is it obviously still growing year on year? Do you know what it is? It, yeah, yeah, it is. But it's tricky because I think the way that they do things here is they like to promote the stars more than the clubs. So, for example, right. last year, if it was DC against LA Galaxy, it would be Ibrahimovic versus Rooney. But then what yeah. position you left in then when they both leave the club, how do you then continue to promote the game? Like yeah. people more obsessed with the stars, like even for as much as Ronaldo and Messi were the two biggest stars of our generation, possibly in the history of football. El Clasico was always El Clasico. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's yeah. the bill. Yeah. yeah, like it would end up being about those two, but the history of that game itself yeah. far outweighs whoever's playing in the shirt. Like if both those players leave, the game is still El Clasico. Whereas here, it's just it's different. They want to promote the stars, promote the stars, promote the stars. So having someone like Beckham is great and it can bring people into the seats, but it doesn't bring the type of fan which will always be there. It's kind of more yeah, fair yeah. weather fans. Because now, until like, he leaves. Yeah, like as soon as Ibrahimovic leave, leaves, <laughs> who's, people don't know the ins and outs of LA Galaxy. So as a consequence, they're probably not going to have the same viewership as they did across the last two years because he's, he's blockbuster or whatever. But then ultimately, all the other clubs, maybe it's because of the, the, the age of the league, but other clubs around Europe and around the world, people buy into the history and they remember players who played as part of that history. Yeah. But here, yeah. it's just more so about the players. He was a bit of a nightmare to defend against, was he? So I remember, re remember reading nightmare. a couple of interviews. Listen, mate, I, I don't have nightmares, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's... Um, do you know, he's... He, by far, he's the best player that was playing in the league last year, by far. You just look at his history, look at everything he's won. And it's a tapping for him, but it was always made easier because in the same way that the league likes to promote the stars, they also, some of the players buy into that as well. So I'd be yeah. watching on a week-to-week -week basis and he could just do whatever he wanted to whoever he wanted. People weren't like, they wouldn't, they'd be scared to go up to him, scared to like try and put a big tackle yeah, in there, yeah. which is what I kind of hated last year. 
because ultimately he's better than everyone else. So when I, sorry, so when I had my thing with him last year, um, that to me was like just a normal encounter where essentially it doesn't matter who you're playing against, whether someone's the best player or the worst player in the world. At the end of the day, it's like a battle. It's one-on-one. And yeah, like that's just how it is. But then when he came into the dressing room after the game, firstly, the fact he was allowed through the door after we'd already had a thing on the pitch. And then as he walked in, you could see the eyes of some of my teammates like illuminating because like, oh my God, he's in the room. He's in the room. And when I then basically squared up to him and told him to um, politely leave because I'm a very polite person. Um, When that was going on, that's when people started really understood who I was and where I came from because that's not the norm within the league. But think of it this way. When... Why do people love things like the FA Cup and the underdog story? Because they'll, it's because they'll go out and that team, whoever they are, they might not be as good as someone else, but they'll compete to the very end, whether yeah. it involves kicking them, putting them under pressure. You know, that's, that's why people, the diehards and all this, really love the game. But when you just allow someone to just do as they please, it'd be what's the point in the time? And I think that's kind of what's missing at certain aspects within this league because they're just... They're almost obsessed with the stars both on and off the field as opposed to just the sheer competitive nature of you know, just going out and playing football. Yeah. The celebrity side rather than the football side. 100%, yeah. 100%. As the old saying, show, showing the opponent too much respect, isn't there? That, that's the... Yeah. You, like, you, everyone here has played football and we can all do things when there's nobody near us. Get someone in your face for 90 minutes and see how well you can do it. Yeah. But unfortunately, some people will be like, oh, no, 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 I can't get near him. I'm scared. He might not make me, oh, I'm scared. He's going to do whatever. And let's have it right. I was squaring up to the guy. He's six foot five and a black belt. I knew full well I was going to get knocked out. But yeah. sometimes you just got to make him feel uncomfortable. like a man take on a black belt, you know? <laughs> wow, well, listen, that's no problem, mate. Worst comes to worst, so I just run away. Like, you know yeah. what I mean? Good sprinter anyway, so you'll be fine. That's well, great. yeah, there we go. So, Karch, you got some quick fires, haven't you, mate? Quick fires. Yeah, so we're going to finish on a little quick fire for you. Um, okay. I kind of feel like I know a couple of these answers, especially the first one. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right, we're going to start. You two cent- we're going to start with two centre half partnerships that you. That's my first. That's my first one. So we've got Mills or Dunn. Dunn didn't play enough with Mills. <laughs> nice dodge. Messi or Ronaldo. Messi. They didn't play for United. <laughs> no, no, it's deeper than that. I can explain, but it's deeper than that. Nike or Adidas? Uh, Nike all day long. Golf short game or long game? I've got a long game. got no short game, so I trade it for the short game. <laughs> Ryder Cup or the Masters? We are on Masters Sunday. To win it. To win it. But we are. You're not. You're not. You're not a master Sunday yet. But we are. Um. Uh, masters. Masters. Yeah. Want to mm. do it? Want to do it on your own? I've done this team thing. Sometimes I just want to get glory <laughs> to myself. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. Premier mm. World Cup. Oh, cool. Uh, World Cup. World Cup. Beer or wine? Beer. Two X United players, Hughes or Bruce, managers. Guys, you are a savage, aren't you? Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, 
they both had their ropes, but I probably spoke more to Mark Hughes, so I'll say him. Sean Wright Phillips or Bradley Wright Phillips? In the MLS, Bradley Wright Phillips. In England, Sean Wright. <laughs> I sort of want to know the, I don't know, I don't know how long the story is, but I sort of want to know the Messi-Ronaldo story now. You've intrigued me there a little bit. Um, so, so I've played against Ronaldo, but I didn't play against like primetime Ronaldo. Yeah. And don't get me wrong, I think we all know he's a freak. Like those two t- together put you in a place where if you're not scoring 30 goals a season, you're not elite. Yeah. which is crazy to think. And they did it for 10 years, basically, in a row, if not more. Talking 30, 40, 50 goals a season. But the difference is, Ronaldo is just, like, he's so hungry for goals. Like, I've never seen that level of hunger before. But Messi has that hunger for goals, but then also has some of the best assists I've ever seen before. Yeah. So he's like, a, he's like a dual threat. Even though Ronaldo does get assists, I wouldn't necessarily expect him to be playing anybody in. He gets played in. He doesn't do that. Yeah, Messi, yeah. Messi gets the ball anywhere on the field, and it's alarm bells, like serious alarm bells. Because you've seen a pass that you're probably not going to see for the rest of your career. Yeah. You know what I mean? So that's that's why I'd, that's why I take him. I just hate to play against him. And he's little. I just those little guys who don't have speed but can just jink past you. They're a nightmare. I hate them. Absolutely <laughs> hate them, mate. <laughs> the what would you pick? What would you guys have picked? I'm more Ronaldo, purely just from a physical attribute side of things. Yeah, um, yeah, I see that. Yeah, exactly. Like you can't. No, 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 he's got everything though. He's well. He's got. He's got. He's got both. He's got both feet. He can. He heads it. To be fair, I was going to say Messi. Messi heads it. Messi beat us in Champions League final with a header. Listen, remember it well with one boot as well. Yeah. I do, I remember it as well. <laughs> but yeah. like, I don't know, Ronaldo's just, yeah, he's a bit of a freak and he probably, Messi's probably a little bit more natural. Mm. Or a lot but, more natural. Yeah, I, I, to be fair, but it's ridiculous. The fact they scored six, 700 goals each and then coming up to playing a thousand goals. But also Messi's a bit younger. Yeah. That's the thing, yeah, he's, he's just gonna, a little yeah. bit younger. And yeah, Ronaldo's exactly. incredible. Having played, having played against him and seeing what he turned into, like scoring 50, 60 goals a year is nuts. And he's the joke. But I just think Messi, like with the ball anywhere in your in your in their attacking half, is I don't know. It's just a problem. It'd be interesting to know, like, it'd be interesting to know if their stats would be exactly the same if they both weren't at the same era. So you know, like, I reckon obviously Mm -hmm. Messi for for Ronaldo's point of view, Messi definitely pushes Ronaldo because he is younger. So Ronaldo, we think if I retire retire a year earlier, this guy's going to get an extra couple of twenty goals on me. Yeah, so I need to That's get, my, I need to get bottom, myself twenty, thirty goals ahead. But the bottom line is, I think we're we're all respectful adults. So when it comes down to, we we appreciate other people's answers. But other people are like, nah, Messi's crap, or nah, Ronaldo's crap. Like, relax, relax. Yeah. Yeah. There's no wrong answer. You happily take anyone in any team in the world <laughs> right now. Hundred percent. Throw on his list after this conversation. Actually, Aguero or Tevez. Oof. Uh, I think ultimately the stats will show that it has to be Aguero I did like Tevez a lot though mm-hmm. I did like him an awful lot but Aguero's just a killer it's just a stone cold killer every single season yeah. just bangs against United what a killer Tevez's mentality must have been so different to Aguero because obviously 
on the pitch and ability-wise, there's not a massive amount between them. But no, Aguero, no, just keeps, Aguero just keeps doing it. Tevez yeah, is obviously yeah, he does, yeah. he's, back, he's, he's back in South America now, isn't he? Yeah, he's, so Aguero... I mean, sorry, I think Tevez probably has more visible passion on the field. But, like, Sergio just does his job to a T every single time he plays. You know, for someone that's not exactly, like, massive, the amount of times he'll get in the box and be a presence, the people is rolling physically and all that stuff. Like, this... You, you could... Every striker in the world has probably looked at it and thought, I can do that. And then they've gone and tried to do it and they've not been able to. Some people just have something. And he certainly has that something, which is why City has been so successful. And obviously the molding, the mold, the molding Jesus around it as well a little bit now, aren't they? He's kind of not getting he's not he's not bad. He's not bad. He could be he could be a very spicy individual in a couple of years. Could be very nice if he's still there. But we shall see. Yeah. I think he will be, won't he? There's only someone you can wait in a career, isn't there? But, you know, if you're going to be the uh, heir to the throne, I think you suppose you'll have to take it. Kind of like a folding situation with David Silva. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's an interesting one. That'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Silva's last season now, isn't it? Mm, it is, yeah, it is. It's, you know, when you can... It's so funny how the times have changed. When I came through, the academy was the thing. All these players were coming in and all this stuff. It was great. You, had all, you always knew you had a chance from the moment you became a professional. And now you have someone who, in Phil Foden, who, in my opinion, is probably the best player that's ever come through the academy. But he's playing less than someone else that would have done if he was back in the day. Yeah, you know, yeah. his opportunities are coming few and far between. But, like, who's he behind? He's, he's behind arguably one of City's best ever players. Like, what can you do there? But then when someone like Pep says, you know, I trust in you. I want you to be here. I want you to be there. Like, I trust me. I'd be going nowhere. I'd be getting very comfortable. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, next, next season will be the one. If yeah, he, for if sure. If, if, if Pep even backs up what he said, yeah, I think. Uh, do you know? What? I think of all the things I've heard about Pep so far, I don't I wouldn't don't put him down as a liar. Not yet, <laughs> but we'll see. Right, right. Before we wrap up, so Carts has mentioned to us. Obviously, you've got your own podcast. Is that right? Do you want to fill us in on what that is? Yeah, it's called um, it's called Kickback with Nade Manoha, and it's um, whilst I'm over here, it's something that's running through the club for now, and. It's to do with sports, it's to do with music. Like I've spoken to someone that's in the about to enter the draft for the NFL. Spoken to a few teammates over here, a few teammates back in England, and going to be speaking to a few music people and all that going forward. And it's uh, it's good because I think it provides um, insight into what it's actually like to do what people do. Yeah. Because I'm because it's in the same way it's like this. When we if you speak to someone from the media, you're always a bit concerned that they're going to say something which is going to make you appear in a bad light. Yeah. yeah. So you're never really truly yourself. But then on my show, the people who I speak to, the people who I know over more often than not, and when I talk to them, they're talking to me like I'd talk to them if there was nothing, if there was no microphone in front of them. Yeah. yeah. And and these, I think they can they they show better there why they're so well liked in their clubs and in their world, and they can talk they can talk about something more honestly. And I think that's what people buy into because the whole thing I feel with podcasts is that people, the guests, not the guests, sorry, the people, the listeners want to feel like they're in the room with you. Yeah, and yeah. sometimes the, you don't want the room to be a, like a press office or whatever when they're saying, oh, so how did you feel about the game at the weekend? Like my stuff doesn't speak about games. No, it talks no. about who you are and experiences and why, you know, why, why are you here? You can, you're basically promoting who you are as a human being 
which is something as a professional you don't you don't ever really get to do because you're always so guarded that the moment you say something it can be spun out of context. But in this show, you create your own context and you can enjoy it a lot more. Yeah, yeah. I suppose you're from from your side. It's more autopilot, isn't it? As soon as you start doing a press office or an interview, it's kind of like, yeah, it was it was a good game. Yeah, everyone played great. And it baffles me that even sorry, I'm dragging on again. But it baffles me that to even like to this day. There's certain things that can go on in a season. You start well. Someone says, oh, so do you think you'll be pushing for Europe this year? You fall off. Oh, how do you think the player's going to deal now? The manager's under pressure. The manager goes, you say this. They ask the same questions every single time. It'd almost be nice to say, oh, what's that question? Oh, let me, there you go. There's your answer. <laughs> yeah, you yeah. still, just, it's like you're both sitting across from each other, just BSing each other. Because yeah. they, they know that's not how it works. Surely they know that's not how it works now. Yeah, exactly. And then, yeah. and then I'm saying nothing. And the only people that ever really say something are the big outspoken ones who just want to be known for being outspoken, yeah, who yeah. offer no value to anything anyway. Yeah. So you just go around in circles. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, we're disappointed. Oh, we're, gonna, we're feeling confident. Yeah, they're a good team. Yeah, they're, yeah we're, we're working hard. It's like, just yeah, buzzwords. Yeah. It is the same, I was going to say, it's the same key words every single, every single interview, isn't it? Oh, it's agony, oh, Yeah, I'll do press today, yeah. yeah. Saw something on Instagram what? the other day where a, a lad in his quarantine has woken up to do football manager and he's given a, a pre-match and a <laughs> press conference and it's exactly like that, but he's just doing it himself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. good on him. Good on him. Like, it's good to see people are actually realising what's going on, yeah. yeah. It's, it's so true. <laughs> just, just 10 questions they'll probably ask you every month and you give the same 10 answers. Uh, but we'll call someone else up now, a different player. Same 10 answers. Like, just what's the point? Just do something different. Yeah. They're almost waiting for a slip-up rather than just a general conversation. Yeah, exactly. And the worst thing is when you know you have slipped up as well. Like, you can't yeah. even backtrack quick enough. Oh, I said too much. Oh, no, I was too honest. Oh, stinker. <laughs> Absolute stinker. Damn it, you got me. Yeah, literally. What have I done? What a circle. But it's usually something that's even light, not even something heavy. Like, yeah, you know, um, you know, we feel confident that we can beat them. And then the headline, player promises to beat said team. <laughs> like, oh, oh, God, yeah. Just like that, mate. Pressure yeah. on, boys. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I apologize. I'm sorry. <laughs> Naden, thanks very much for taking the time. No, Appreciate it. I know, I, I know it's, it's late over there. And no, it's right. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a grown man. I don't go to bed before yeah. about 11 anyway. So I'm going to oh, bed yeah, in two yeah. minutes. Yeah. Big, big but, boy, yeah? Well, because uh, my wife's not here right now. But yeah, big boy. <laughs> yeah. Good to speak to you guys. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah. Thanks, thanks very much. Appreciate Cheers. it, buddy. Cheers, fellas. Thanks for Speak to you soon. Speak to you soon, mate. See you later. Okay, I thank you for joining episode three of A Golden One. Thank you to Naden for joining us. Very insightful. Join us over on the next episode and we'll see you then, guys. Thank you.